you have your Bibles, we're going to um, look at a New Testament passage. Speak uh, Colossians chapter 1. I get to speak uh, two more times this year, so we'll do uh, chapter 2 the next time and chapter 3 the following after that. I, I guess I'll have to speak at least one time in January so that we can finish up the book. So, um, But we'll do a, a series and... Uh, May God help us as we uh, look to see what um, what's going on there in Colossians, uh, the church at Colossia. Turn with me, though, to, to um, just give us a, some background. It won't be the background of this particular church, but it will be a group of people. Turn with me to the book of Numbers. Numbers, um, Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11. We're going to see another group of people, a group of people that um, may have some things in common with the New Testament church in Colossians and may have, well, they do have some. I'll, I'll, I'll give you some information up front. They do have something in common. Um, but the other, the other factor I want to take a look at this morning, too, is what we might have in common with these group of folks here in Numbers and, and the ones in Colossians. So hang on, hold tight. We're going to move quickly. Um, but we're going to, uh, as we move quickly, we're going to cover a lot of ground and um, kind of uh, ask some rather probing questions, which um, Paul seems to do in Colossians. But let, let us look first in, in Numbers. Numbers chapter 11. And when the people complained again and again and again, it's the people of God, complaining again. It displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled. And the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uh, outer places of the camp. And the people cried to Moses, and Moses prayed to the Lord, and the fire was stopped. And he called the name of the place there Taborah, because the fire of the Lord burnt among the people. And then we find a mixed multitude here in verse 4 that was among them. And kind of intermingled with the children of Israel who wept again. And they said, who is going to give us some food to eat or flesh to eat? Uh, Catch this here in verse 5. This is what I want to focus on just right here in the Old Testament passage. We remember the fish which we ate in uh, Egypt. Catch this next word in the King James I have, freely. If we remember... If they just go back, just a few short years ago, they were in slavery, but eating fish freely. Food for thought. Just just dwell on that a little bit and uh, see what what happens there for you guys as well. We remember the fish which we ate in uh, Egypt freely, and the cucumbers, and the melons, and the leeks, and the onions, and the garlics. Verse 6, look what's happening now. Our soul is dried away. We don't have anything at all. It's all gone. Besides this manna stuff that we just have to look at every day. What's happening to these people? I think... 
I think they're trying to go backwards. They're trying to remember when. Let's go back and catch the good life. If, but they're in sla- they were in slavery. But is it is it the good life? This bread from heaven, we just we're tired of it. May you and I not get tired of what God wants to feed us daily. With that intro, let's look at Colossians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ, Jesus, by the will of God, and our brother Timothy, to the consecration of faithful brothers in Christ at Colossia, or Colossians, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We constantly give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, as we are praying for you. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you cherish for all the saints. Because of the hope that is stored up for you in heaven, you first heard of this hope and the message of the truth concerning good news that reached you as it has come also to the whole world, with fruitful results, which are spreading abroad, as is the case among you ever since you heard and came to know in truth the grace of God. So you learned from Epaphras, our other dear fellow bond slave, who is a faithful minister of Christ for you, and he has also pointed out to us the love you cherish through the Spirit. We have, therefore, From the day we heard it, never neglected praying and petitioning for you, that you might be filled with all spiritual wisdom and insight as to understand what his will is clearly, and to live in in a way worthy of the Lord and to his entire satisfaction by producing results in all sorts of good work, by growing in the knowledge of God. We pray that you may be invigorated, with complete power in accordance with his glorious strength, for the cheerful exercise of unlimited patience and perseverance, with thanksgiving to the Father, who has qualified you for your share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of sins, who is the likeness of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For through him all things were created in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or lordships or rulers or authorities. They are all created through him and for him. And he himself before all and in him all things hold together. He also is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning firstborn from the dead, so that in every respect he might have first place. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, those on earth as well as those in heaven, as through him God made peace by means of the blood of his cross. You too, then, were once estranged and of a hostile attitude with your evil activities. He has now reconciled you in his uh, human body through his death to introduce you into the presence, holy, blameless, 
irreproachable, if you remain grounded and settled in the faith and are not moved away from the hope inspired by the good news to which you listened, which has been preached to every creature under heaven, and I which I, Paul, became a minister. I am now glad among my uh, sufferings for you and am making my, in my own life on behalf of his body, which is the church, what I am still lacking of afflictions for Christ, I have become a minister of the church by divine appointment that that was given to me to preach fully to you the word of God. The secret, that which was hidden from ages and generations, which now has been revealed to his saints, to whom God has chosen to make known what is the wealth of this glorious secret among the Gentiles. That would be you and me, which is in Christ, in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, while warning every person and introducing every individual in all wisdom so that we may present every person complete in Christ. And for this I toil, I wrestle according to the energy which is powerfully at work within me. And then I'll stop with just a, a brief section of chapter 2, for I want you to know in how great a struggle I am engaged for you and for the Laodicean brothers and for those who have not personally seen my face. What I want to do for you this morning, I had my map. My map. with the help of visual aids. You can see it sort of on here. If you can't, I'll explain it to you in just a little bit. But on our visual aid map here, we have here the Laodicean church. Here's Colossae, the one we're studying about this morning. These two uh, churches are 12 miles away from each other. Um, that's significant because I will show you in another passage. It's uh, actually in Revelation. We'll, we'll take a look at it and we'll read it together. But here is um, these two churches in proximity, only 12 miles apart. And so what happens in one region, being 12 miles away from another region, you're probably going to get um, some backlash or some kind of... Uh, how should we say, uh, influence from, uh, from other things happening around you. Um, that influence can be, um, can be godly. Um, it also can work in the opposite direction too, and that influence can be ungodly. And so uh, let's uh, pray and seek the Lord as he, um, as we've read his word, may it enlighten each one of us and bring, them, bring the truths home to our hearts. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you and we praise you this morning for the opportunity to come. Once again, not only to just read your word and to study your word and find specific truths in it, but, Father, that you will drive home to each one of our hearts that which you've called us to. Lord, it's a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. Father, help each one of us as you draw close to us that we would draw that much closer to you. Father, in the areas of our lives where we need to uh, 
rearrange some priorities. Would you help us to do that? In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Looking at the uh, Colossians then. Colossians chapter 1. Find Paul, the writer to the Colossians. He's writing to them, telling them what he's doing for them. What's he doing? He's striving and praying for the Colossians that they may live God-pleasing lives. Um, It's there in verse 1, Paul, an apostle, and and our brother Timothy. It it appears that Paul and Timothy are are together, um, side by side. Timothy may be waiting there in prison with him. He may be waiting right outside of prison, waiting for Paul to finish the letter so that he can run and give it to um, Epaphras back in, or down in uh, verse 7. So you see the three fellows are working together to what? What are they working toward? They're working toward establishing Jesus Christ and who he is to this particular church, the Colossians. What's he do? He greets them, verse 1 there. Then, in verses 3 to 5, he commends them for their love and their faith. And then, in verses 6 to 9, what's he do? He prays continually that what? That the knowledge of God, knowledge of God would be prevalent, would be working, the knowledge of God that they would find that in themselves and in the church. And then, as it has reached the whole world, that they would continue with that same message impacting their world as they go out, spreading abroad. I find it interesting, and it was... It, it reads just a little bit different in the King James. Well, we'll get to that in just a little bit. In verses 2, 2 and verse 6. But what's he doing? He's, he's explaining to them, this is a, a life, this is life worthy of God. It, it could almost read like a, um, like a mission statement to a church. That what does it do? First, it bears fruit in every good way. Secondly, it could grow. Grow in the knowledge of God. So as fruit is bearing and being born, you've got bearing fruit. What is that? That's growth happening. And it's, not, and it's growing, growing in the knowledge of God. A third aspect is that it's strengthening. God is strengthening it through His glorious power to produce great endurance and patience. And then fourthly, verses 9 to 12, we find that he continually gives joyfully, or he gives thanks joyfully. So bearing fruit, growing, strengthening in God's glorious power, and joyfully giving thanks. Pretty good recommendation there. 
for a mission statement, for, for my own personal life as well. That, hey, I want to I bear fruit. Anybody not want to bear fruit? I want to grow in the knowledge of God. I want to be strengthened with God's glorious power in my life. Whereby I can joyfully give thanks in any situation that I find myself. And that I don't have to go back to Egypt. That I could be satisfied with the daily manna that he wants to give me. Unfortunately, in verse 2, we find that it's uh, to the consecrated and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossia. King James reads, which are at Colossia, or the Colossian church. Those that are there. I find a present tense verb there, are, which are there. In the King James in verse 6, as it has come also to the whole world with fruitful results, which are spreading abroad, as is the case among you ever since you heard and came to know. King James has the word new. Past tense. Say, Mark, what are you driving at? Well, I see two, di- two different tenses. Those that are there at Colossae and those that knew. What did they know? And what do they know now? Is, is there something that has changed? Why the tense change? I can only guess from Scripture. They were getting... Um, Uh, Something negative has gone wrong. They either knew of the grace of God and have now moved from it, or they know the grace of God, but it's no longer in truth. Some falsifying aspect of some other doctrine has probably come in. We'll see that a little bit later as as Paul addresses the specifics of it in that um, in chapter 2, they seem to be worshiping angels. They put a higher priority on spiritual beings than the most highest spiritual being, that of Jesus Christ. So that brings us to... um, What's it bring us to? Can we pose this question then? Because that's that's what all good professors do. They ask good questions. To the saints and the faithful folks that are in Christ Jesus at the Lion and Lamb, do you still know or have you just known the grace of God? And is it in truth? And only you and I can answer that question. Am I a saint and lion and lamb? Do I know the grace of God? And is it in the truth? That's one of the reasons why godly men come up here on a weekly basis to tell you God's word is truth. And that you and I have the capacity to grow in his grace. 
and that we have believed and we have received. And then after we've believed and received, he says what? Just don't keep it to yourselves. Move the next level, which would be what? I believe the next level is to produce fruit. Believe, receive, growth, and share the wealth. Moving on to uh, a second aspect that we find in verses 12 through 23. The names of Christ. I've got a a rather lengthy list here of um, the definition of Christ. Um, I've read them for you. Um, Let's just quickly go through them one more time. Make uh, make comments or notes in your in your um, uh, if you've got one of those uh, spaces along the index or whatever space. Uh, make comments there as as we just go through these. He's the image of the invisible God. Verse fifteen, firstborn of all creation. Same verse. He's the creator of all things in heaven and on earth. These are definitions of Jesus Christ. Creator of all things in heaven and earth, creator of all things invisible and visible and invisible, creator of all the thrones, powers, rulers, authorities for himself, verse 16. He's before all things. Well, then we can add that qualifier, he's after all things as well. Before them all, after them all, and he's in them all. In him holds everything together. I like that one. Verse 17, in him he holds all the things together. I don't know if you've heard it lately. There was another sniper shooting in, in D.C. Well, they don't know. They're still trying to figure out if it's, um, if it's related. Uh, I think it was a Ponderosa restaurant down in um, the southern part of, uh, or 70 miles south of D.C. or something in, in New Jersey area. Um, so you've got panic, pretty much panic, set out on the East Coast. And then we've got this uh, war, possibly with Iraq. Um, Mark, it just seems like, from what you're telling us, and what's happening in the world are two different, totally different things. And, you, and I'll agree with you. What I'm telling you and what's happening in the in a exterior world around about us, um, it's, it's contradictory. Why is that? Is it because Christ is not holding all the things together? No, it is not um, that Christ is not holding all the things together. He is holding all the things together. Um, It is because um, sinful man has chosen to not be included in this Christ business at work in our lives. I don't know if you've ever thought of this, but I did. Uh, I had occasion to um, be in the um, World Trade Center before it uh, collapsed, um, September 11th. Um, Some two massive structures, I'll grant you that right now. On a good day, on a good day, you could see 70 miles. And it was one of those good days when um, those things happened to the buildings. Um, but you, uh, 
you see the structures, you see the, the well, you didn't see the first plant, but you, I heard it on the radio, and then you hear the second one, and you see, and you see that one. You say, Mark, where, where was God in all that? God was right there. Um, and I'll expl- just quick explanation. Say, Mark, it just, it's horrible. It's terrible. It was. It was horrible and terrible. Imagine this. Just imagine it. How high those buildings were if both of them had fallen over. Now what do you have? You got an entire island on fire. Where was God when that was happening? Christ held them up, lined up, so that another folks could get out. He holds it all together. When it seems as though it's all coming apart. He's the head of the church in verse 18. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the firstborn among all the dead. Or among the dead. His supremacy is in everything. All of God's fullness dwells in Jesus Christ. All of His fullness through Him has been reconciliation to bring us. We can't get back to the Garden of Eden. We just can't. we got something greater, folks. It's Jesus Christ. Verse 20. He's the peacemaker through His blood. He's the presenter of you as holy to God. Verse 27. Folks, we've got to hang on to this one. Because there's way too many folks out there looking for some kind of hope. I've been in enough uh, VA hospitals. Chaplain, can you give me hope? Can you? I'm flat on my back right here, Chaplain. What's happening to me? I can only give them hope. Grown men served in our armed forces, flat on their back. Chaplain, I can deal with a lot of things. I've dealt with a lot of things in my life. Chaplain, tell me how to deal with this one. Where's your hope? Well, I was hoping that uh, the government would come through. I was hoping that education would come through. I was, hope- I was hoping in all kinds of different things, Chaplain. What are you hoping? What do I tell them? Patient, Mr. Patient, I only have one hope, and that's in Jesus Christ. Do you know who he is? You know, chaplain, I thought you might say that. I said, uh, were there chaplains in the, yeah, yeah, there were chaplains in the military. Did you seek any of them? Well, they, they carried around this little little book. Not sure what it was for. Did you ask them? No, no, I just knew that they carried it. I said, if had you probed them long enough, that little book was their hope. 
it's hope of glory, but it's also hope right here in this lifetime. It's hope in Jesus Christ. So when everything's falling apart, it's not really falling apart. It's sinful nature working its work out. But that God knows. Because He knows everything. And someday, which I think is closer than... uh, which is closer than we realize, someday when he comes back, it's, uh, it's not going to be the way it is now. I'll grant you that. And that is hopeful. It's hopeful for me, and I'm, I'm praying that it's hopeful for you as well. So we see Christ, and God has sought to give Christ exactly, um, exactly everything that he is. And what he's done. And now we can put it in present tense and future. Because he's still at work. And he will still be at work. Why is that? Because Christ conquered the grave. He conquered the grave. Because he conquered the grave, so will we. If we know who he is. And we've believed and we've received and we continue faithfully in what he's called us to do. Verse 23, if you remain grounded and settled in the faith and are not moved away from the hope inspired by the good news to which you've listened, What's the question then? Have you moved? Or are you moving away from the hope of the gospel? Mark, how can you ask such a question? I just rephrased it in Paul's words. Have you moved or are you moving? My prayer is that you're not moving away, but you're moving toward. And if you're already there, that you're growing in it. That He's sustaining His hope in you as you continue on in the journey. I think that's what Paul was afraid of. That they began... To move away. And so it concerns him. And it concerns me. And it concerns the Lord. And it should concern each one of us. Where am I? And where do I need to be? Where does Christ want me to be? Finally, Paul, Paul's desire is to serve a long-term goal. He's happy to suffer. Not that suffering is a very pleasant thing. But if we read the gospel letters long enough and hard enough, 
we discover that suffering is a part of the Christian life. Folks, it's not a bed of roses. Well, it is because you have the flower and you get the thorns right along with it. You've got to take them both. It's not an either or, it's a both and. That's what it was for Christ. That's what it was for his followers. And if we're followers of Christ, it comes to you and me. But what was it? Paul found joy. He found happiness in suffering for Christ. I know I haven't suffered nearly enough for Christ. I, I know I've got it pretty easy. Probably too easy. I had the opportunity to last week go to um, hear Pastor, um, help me with his name, Pastor Wally, yes. From He was born in the Philippines, but he, he had the largest church in Saudi Arabia underground and so they um, he was you you cannot be a follower of Christ in, in a Muslim region you, you just can't it can't can't be done and that's what they told him as a matter of fact they told him and they arrested him and because he was adamant about his faith in Jesus Christ he was to be put to death and so, uh, right before his death, he was able to talk to his family for five minutes. And his wife, <clears throat> clearly, clearly expresses to him, I will see you free in 24 hours. And he's, he's beside himself as to how this is going to happen. Uh, they've uh, tortured me so, so much so that uh, I'm ready to die right now. But um, at the point of his um, execution, the king of Saudi Arabia sent one of the soldiers and he was released from his execution. He was free. Say, Mark, what, what, why do you bring that up? I tell you that because um, Christ is holding it all together. He's not wanting um, any one of his uh, loved ones to be, to be murdered. But it's happening, but it didn't happen to him. And so he has that opportunity. He's taking oppor- every opportunity that Christ now gives him, and he's about the country, giving his testimony as to what Christ did. Christ released him from prison. If we go back to our Old Testament passage there in Hebrews, or not Hebrews, but the Hebrew people, God's people, in uh, Numbers chapter 11, God, God released his people from prison, from captivity, 430 years of knowing just a ball and chain around their neck, around their feet and ankles, complete total slavery. And see, if we can 
if we can just picture Egypt as sin, the land of sin, because that's what God released them from, was a sinful bondage through the leadership of Moses, bringing us to Christ, who says, you know what? Just as Moses released the people through God's help, I release you from the bondage of sin completely. And then together we can move. We can move in my power to those that are still in bondage. That's what Paul is saying. He's getting his three brothers, Timothy and Epaphras, together. Fellas, as I'm writing this letter and as you're delivering it, give them help, give them hope. Sure, give them, give them what can come down the pike if you're not doing this, but, but give, them, give, them, give them what I'm saying to them. And that is I'm praying for them and that they will, maybe as they suffer for Christ, that they'll hold on. Because I'm holding on. Because Christ is holding it all together. You see, the gospel wasn't secret, but now it's revealed in 27. We can find that same statement in the book of Hebrews. Very, very first verses of Hebrews chapter 1, we see that God has spoken in these latter times to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And that by preaching and the teaching and the encouraging and these letters and your lives, that's the bottom line. It all fits, it's all a nice, fitly tight package that what I'm saying to you and what's happening to me is that it's, it's life change. It's happening in my life. Timothy, I want it to happen in your life. Epaphras, I want, you to, I want it to happen in your life. Okay, so all three of us, were, it's just the three of us, but I think if we reach these various churches where I'm sending this message to, their lives will be changed and transformed and so that they'll have an impact. And they'll keep going with the gospel the whole world the whole world is revived oh mark that's that's impossible can't it's the world's too big is it what was the message the message was uh, go ye into all the world preach the gospel to every creature uh, it was, it, he meant it for just them, them out there and not me. No, it's go me. Me go. I go. To make it personal. Then we can make it corporate as a church, right? Because it, really that's his message. The message is to the whole church. That you all, we all go. You go. Me go. I go. We all go. The kids go. We all go into the world. We impact, we impact our community. 
Well, Mark, what's that look like? Maybe, maybe a real good question is, am I excited to be a complete person in Jesus Christ? Are you excited to be a complete person in Jesus Christ? There's lots of things out there to be excited for. My favorite teams, my, it's in the World Series, and my favorite team's undefeated. And, uh, it's, it could be my team and this team and that team and your team and all the, all the teams. It could be any team. Do we get excited? Well, yeah. You, you, just turn the TV on any, any given time, any given day, and um, any given hour, and, and you see them. They've paid good money to go see their favorite players play and, and do what they do. Um, I'm asking the Lord that my team will continue to lose and so that I become less and less interested in sports. Um, and so far he's answered that while the Detroit Red Wings are coming. I, that's the only team that, growing up in Ohio, Ohio and Michigan aren't very far away. But, uh, but, um, but I don't think hockey's really that big yet. So, but it's, it's neither here nor there. It, it is... What what can we be excited about, other than just what we're excited about right now? Say, well, Mark, what's it really look like? And let me show you what it can really look like. Because if you're like me, you have a tendency to, if I can say this word correctly, I've got it written down here. Let me pronounce it out, and I'll know I'll get it right. Compartmentalize. You know what that looks like? That means that I, I have work, and I have play, and I have kids, and then you have mealtime. You have activities. Did I leave anything out? Oh, wait a minute. Let's see, Monday, Tuesday. Okay, Sunday, spiritual. So what we have a tendency to do is, is just tack on spiritual like the very end when it really needs to be at the very beginning. No, it doesn't. It needs to be in every one of them. You can't, you can't separate it out. You can't say, well, I'm at work now, but I can leave Jesus somewhere else. I'm at play now, Jesus doesn't really... Uh, um, I'll, I'll, have devotions with, I'll have devotions with the kids when I don't do it myself. Well, what? Why? Does that make any... No, it doesn't make any sense. I'll, I'll pray right before I uh, partake of my meal. That, that'll be, you know, that, that, that only gets it just, just because you're doing it. How about my other activity? I'm, I'm just so busy. I'm just, I'm too busy. Is that, um, is that how it is? Or is that just an excuse? I, I'm just too busy. What did Jesus say when, when, his, when his time, when Jesus' time was right where it needed to be? He needed his disciples at a specific time. And what did he, could you not watch with me just one hour? Lord, I'm just, I don't have time. Lord, I don't have an hour. And you know I don't have an hour, Lord. Wait a minute. Wait. If I got up, if I got up a half hour earlier, yeah, I'd, I'd have a little bit more time. 
I'd have an extra half hour. Wait a minute, if I stayed up, if I stayed up just 20 minutes later, I'd have 20 minutes more. We can, we can exercise and, and make it look really, really good, right? I, I can exercise. What, what I can't do is run a 26-mile marathon. I, I can't. I just can't. I can't go from here to there and get it. What is it? It's training. It's, it's doing a little at a time. I might not be able to run 26 miles. But I can walk 26 feet. And that's a start. If, if you're already there, let me encourage you to keep going. Just keep going. Just keep on pace. You're doing great. If you're kind of like me and, and kind of fumbling along, God doesn't need it. He, he doesn't need half hour prayer to know what our, what's in our hearts. I, I can only simplify it and say, Lord, help me. And he understands that and he knows that. It's, it's just help me, Lord. Um, I, I remember the dad in the scriptures. Lord, I believe. I, I do believe, but help me. Just help And then some of us, we, we just, we don't know where to start. We don't know where to begin. And that's the beginning. I just gave you a beginning. Lord, help me. Help me to start. Help me to start somewhere. Show me, Lord. Paul's desire to serve. Give me that desire. Let's pray. Lord, as we work through this tremendous opportunity to read Paul's letter, Lord, it's what you inspired him to write. Help me, Lord. that it impacts every part of my life. Lord, I'm praying for this church as well and the leadership of it. Lord, those of us in leadership, we can be excited about all kinds of different things. Lord, allow that passion and the excitement of seeing new people come to Christ. Father, that's where the rubber meets the road. And we won't only grow in and of ourselves because you're allowing us to grow, but Lord will grow numerically because now now that these people have come to Christ, we can bring them right along with us to this place of worship. Father, I thank you and praise you that we'll continue to look into your scripture, into this particular lesson, 
Father, help us to draw everything out that we can and that you'll encourage us to keep going, to keep moving, to want a deeper relationship with you, O Lord. And we'll magnify you and we'll praise you and we'll thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.